welcome back to the Ox Unplugged, where if you don't have a mustache that you're twiddling while you're tying a girl to railroad tracks, you're not doing it right. I'm Crispy Kraut. I am Mr. J. Whip. I am Halion. Excuse. And today we find ourselves asking, what makes a villain? Oh, Good question. So many things. So many things. The literary mm-hmm. definition would define a villain. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's get real Oxford with it. We're so qualified. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why not? Well, that's a good starting point. What What is the literary definition of a villain? The Oxford Dictionary defines a villain in a film, novel, or play, a character whose evil actions or motives are important to the plot. Now, boo. Everybody, I disagree with that as well. That's so boring. And and here's, you know, I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid off from the jump. Oh, here we go. In my opinion, a character does not have to be evil to be a villain. I disagree. They have, there is a difference between a villain and an antagonist. Mm, And an antagonist, sir, you're giving me a real face. Um, an antagonist is against the main <laughs> character, but a villain is specifically, like, ethically bad as well. Ethically from whose mm. point of view? The main characters. Okay, but that depends on the point of view. Because Except it doesn't for, like, any sort of media, because um, the perspective of the audience is always the main character. For, like, um, any sort of standard um, media. All right. Out, outside of f- weird French art house films, that sort of stuff. <laughs> I'll throw out. Uh, we, okay. we do not have I, the time or substances to talk about <laughs> art house films. <laughs> I want to revisit that in, in, in due time because oh. I, I can give you an example where you have a main character in a story that is presented as the villain. But by the end of the story, you come to realize is not the villain at all. Is it Snape from Harry Potter? No, no. But I, I do think that's one of those things that makes a great villain is the the reveal of where you think one person is the villain throughout the story. And it turns out at the end, they're not the villain. It's this other person. And I'm not talking like the dun, 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 this person was the mole or the spy all along. I'm talking like you, you have a, a seismic shift at the end where you realize all of this has been wrong. Like what you took for granted was right and true and, and so forth has been wrong all along, but that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. So I, um, I, I'm just waiting for the two words. I am okay. just waiting for you to say it. Okay, we'll get there. I don't know what those two <laughs> words are, but we'll get there, I'm sure. Uh, so, no. what makes a good villain? Um, I've got a couple thoughts on that, and I don't know if they're necessarily right, but it's definitely things that I've thought about for at least a week, so that makes them at least somewhat correct, I would say. Um. Wow, that is. I feel like this is an argument for a YouTuber ever, but I digress. Um, I've been thinking for a, a couple of weeks. I know more than these scholars. <laughs> I've been on the YouTube for about a week. Yeah, what we I have to say research. matters because we've got a podcast. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to. Jesus, I've lost my train of thought. Okay, I've, I've got back to it now. Um, there we go. In terms of what makes a good villain, 
Well, I mean, I this is maybe just my own thinking, but there's, I would say villain is a very subjective term. There's a broad variety of types of villains out there. I don't think it's just one specific example of capital V villain. For example, um, I feel like you can have a singular villain um, as an opposing force, but you could also have like an organization or an empire or what have you as an opposing force. And um, there's a lot that can go into making a villain, and it really depends on the perspective that you're going. Uh, for example, there's a, an example of a villain that I think is really interesting. There, there's there's two that I've been thinking about this this past week of possible examples of what makes a good villain. And one is more individual, one is more um, larger picture. The, the, the more individual example is a villain that makes you not necessarily sympathize with their point of view, but it's like a villain that you can actually sort of get where they're coming from and mm -hmm. see yes. what it is they're trying to achieve. Um, like, I'm trying to think of a good example right now. Unfortunately, that, that, this isn't as solid as the other example that I have in terms of uh, what I would think as an example of it. But I, I guess you could sort of say, like, Darth Vader, although I feel like that's more oh, of a... Oh, there it is. I was waiting for the yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Halion. <laughs> yep. No, I was. That uh, was too obvious. That was too low hanging fruit. I wasn't going to give you the satisfaction. Look, look. I, I said I didn't have a concrete example like the other one, but I'll give um, you a great example, Crispy, of what you just brought up about the how there's the villain in literally like the Man in Black, the evil wizard, the big bad, Darth Vader. He's a perfect example of that. He Snape. just he shows up, he fucks up shit, he kills people, and he's just ruthless. He is a singular villain. It's and yeah. that's throughout most of the original trilogy, but then, yeah, a great example of what you also said was how a greater organization is a villain. If you look at, well, let me, if you, let, me, let me let me give my example for that because okay, I have a very sorry, specific go ahead. example I've had in mind for this, and um, it's probably because I've been on a kick for this game uh, recently, but. I think a really good example of a more nebulous, nefarious villain would be the Combine from Half-Life, because they are a villain that you definitely feel the presence of, you definitely see their actions, but at the same time, their motives and their scope are so beyond your perspective as a player, as well as, you know, in terms of humanity as a whole. Uh, because the Combine, uh, for those who don't know, that's the villain of Half-Life 2, not the original Half-Life. That's an entirely different alien species uh, force. But basically the Combine are this giant interdimensional uh, alien empire that has found and conquered Earth in a matter of seven hours. And you are inserted in there as Gordon Freeman 20 years after their their occupation of Earth has begun. And a lot of it is very much influenced by the big brother Orwellian sort of dystopia view, which honestly really fits into them as a villain. Because when you start the game, for example, you see their brutality, but it's 
like it's humans that are collaborators with them as like civil civil protection is what they're called but they're basically like police forces that are basically you know oppressing the people of earth but as you go on throughout the game you begin to see more and more of their alien influence you see more and more how they have twisted and assimilated humanity which is one of their overall goals into their collective not as equals mind you but as tools to be used and exploited um and the whole game progresses further and further until you're in the heart of their operations which is the citadel a giant skyscraper that is so tall it goes up into the clouds and as you're going through the citadel you just see the scope of their operations and just their forces that they have and it's so alien and other human otherworldly in there that it just really gives you a perspective showing just how just completely alien their perspective is onto us and the reason i bring that up is because the idea of a nebulous villain that has motives and goals that are that we are just an afterthought to i think is a really interesting take on that concept of a more nebulous larger unexplained villain a I villain mean, who their actual influence is only felt through the shadows and the true masters pulling the strings you don't see I refer you to Lovecraftian mythos sort of stuff. Oh, there's very much a lot of that in Half-Life. Yeah. <laughs> I've never played Half-Life. I know you're shocked by that revelation. The The first thing that came to mind for me when you talked about a larger organization or a larger group, a larger force as a villain, was if you've watched Andor... There's no main villain. There's no main. There's there, no there escaping are, the Star Wars. There's, there's, no, but, no, there's, there's not. Wars. But you brought it up. I it was not me. You brought it up. Oh, I know okay. I did. <laughs> but there's 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 certain characters in the Empire that they, we focus on, but there's no one villain. And the true horror, the the real world grown up um, horror of that show is the realization that the Empire itself. It's just this this huge, banal, people-grinding bureaucracy that exists to do nothing but grind down any opposition, anyone that thinks differently or feels differently, and to remove anything that's not it. It's just there to essentially, like the Borg, assimilate everything and make everything it and destroy any individuality or anything that's or any sense of common good. And that's that in and of itself makes it that larger scale villain, which is much more horrifying on a macro scale to realize that that's yeah. what's going on. Yes. It's very much plays into the existentialism and cosmic horror mythos that exists in a lot of storytelling. I would say to use big words that make me sound intelligent. I love the fact that for overwhelming cosmic horror of the indescribable um, mundanity of like, horrific things you either have like oh these guys are so powerful you have no idea or it's these guys have so much paperwork you're gonna go blind <laughs> it's <either> bureaucracy <laughs> it's a little or... bit of both <laughs> yeah it could be both i will say this Hillian. i will say this in terms of the umpire from star wars that the way they portrayed an andor i think is a really way more interesting way of looking at it the way that they are in the movies though they are so cartoonishly evil, it just completely defeats for them as villains. Yeah, see, yeah. I, I, here's the thing. That's what 
to me, that's what makes a great villain. Most stories have a villain of some sort of the other, some some kind of the other, especially if you're telling some sort of adventure typey thing, some sort of grand drama thing. There's usually there's usually going to be a villain, but there's villains, and then there's two dimensional villains, and a two dimensional villain is one who just seems to be bad for the sake of being bad, or is just selfish for the sake of being selfish, and we don't know why. It's just what they. It's just how they are. And there's no, there's no depth to them. There's no layers to them. And yes, in some ways you could, uh, you could say that in the original trilogy, Vader is a two dimensional villain. Even the emperor is a two dimensional, well, the emperor is kind of a two dimensional villain throughout the entire Arcane thing. is a moron. I still stand on that point. But, <laughs> but would you get in as much as some piece, some, people want to throw shade on this on the prequels the prequels give us that that lens of understanding this is why he became vader this is how this is what made him this is what motivated him this is who how he became who he is so that by the time you get to him being vader you understand and I, to me that's one of the things that makes a great villain understanding their motivation understanding what drives them what their passion is they're not just evil for the sake of being evil but they but you know why they are doing the things that they do and that that oh, yeah. if you can understand them you also can then in some level sympathize with them maybe you would disagree with them maybe they're still horrible but if you understand i want to say that's what's I want to say that's what Caesar's Legion is supposed to be, but I tended to just like shoot everybody there and burn the settlement down or burn the fort down. So, oh, you're you're yeah. talking uh, Fallout, right? Yeah, Fallout New oh, Vegas. I get yeah. that reference now. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, my, my first playthrough of Fallout New Vegas, I went to the fort and um, I brought a lot of ammunition. Yes, I I have played some New Vegas, so now I get that reference. You are the meme. I understood that reference. Well, I am the oldest person here, so. That's true. So. So for a villain, what matters the most is the theme of the story. And mm -hmm. everything else falls out that from that sense, theme. Yeah. So if you want to have a cartoonishly evil bad guy, and you want to have a cartoonish game, or a cartoonish movie or whatever, hell yeah. Make him fucking... Like, I want to steal all of the cheese in the universe. No more milk <laughs> products ever. I am lactose intolerant, therefore everyone else should be too. Like, I want to see that movie. <laughs> yeah, I, there's like plenty of options for like making it silly, and that's all you need. Oh, yeah. That, that's basically just some doofenshmirtz type stuff right there. That's, that's dairy product Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> The other time that I, the sort of villain that I really like is when it is a sort of internal reflection of what the main character is. So I don't particularly like superheroes, but... So what you're saying is Shadow the Hedgehog is a terrible villain. I mean, if you want to talk about the Sonic character, I, he's fine. No, I don't. But Actually, like... If I do, I'm going to... Oh, God. <laughs> Okay, so I'm gonna keep going. Um, the one, the one DC villain that I actually kind of I think is an interesting character is Lex Luthor. 
because he's the only person I've ever seen directly challenge Superman's ethos. Where huh. he goes like, what do you mean by truth, justice, and whatever? Like, step through each of these things for me, please. Yeah, well, he doesn't trust him. Because ultimately, yeah. he is an alien. And, yes. and Luth Luthor, Luthor is a flawed human Terrible. individual. But yeah. at the same time, and, and this is, I think they were essentially in Batman v Superman, that horrible movie. I think they kind of basically turned Bruce Wayne into Luthor, where he says, here is this all-powerful person who says he's here to protect us. But as we all know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So how, so eventually, inevitably, he will turn on us. So I'm not, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to go ahead and try to take him out before that happens. So yeah, you are absolutely yeah. right. Lex Luthor is a excellent villain, an mm -hmm. excellent uh, an interesting study in yeah. he's of why what his motivation is. He's not just yeah. like evil for selfishness. Although he is also evil for selfishness. Well, I mean but he is. Oh yeah. But but ultimately his motivation is he doesn't trust this all powerful God in human form. Which leads Only me back I to I belong to be the all powerful guys. <laughs> you know, bald bald man super race. Um but that leads me back to one of the things that I love most that I think what makes a great villain. A great villain is convinced he's right and what he's doing is what's correct. It's not always just out of selfishness. He thinks he's right morally, ultimately, no matter how horrible the things he's doing, he thinks he's doing it right. He's doing the right All thing. All for the pursuit of the, the ideal. Yeah. Right. Whatever that I, is. Like even Thanos. Even so Thanos, which is the you, simple example everyone knows. Yeah, you, you reminded me uh, of a quote uh, that fits with this, and I, God, I'm not a fan of this series, but it's a good quote. Uh, it's from Handsome Jack of Borderlands, and he says, "Every person is a hero in their own story." I think it's something along those lines, but that really fits in with what you're saying. What some people may say as a villain may actually in their own mind have a righteous goal for what they're doing i'll you give know? you an example um although the cartoons are what i was raised on and the toys transformers continued a long long history in the comics where they explored both the past and the far future, past beyond what we knew of as the cartoons and so forth, of the ever grown, you know, ever, never ending battle of the Decepticons and the Autobots, and the particular character of Megatron. They went back and showed his origin in the comics. They show how he came up in the fighting, how he came up essentially that there was a, a, a sort of a feudal tiered system on Cybertron where certain. You know, Cybertronians were just born to serve or even to, to you know, just never be able to move beyond their station and that there were others that were. And so anyone that, so he, he you know, he began to fundamentally reject this idea. And so he began to push back on it and he began to essentially try to upset the system to push back and say, no, we will not be slaves. We will not be lesser thans 
And he fought back and he created a movement and that became the Decepticons. And so what you find out is that Megatron is not just this selfish, power-hungry individual. You know, he is literally fighting for what he feels is the, the, the right of ever Transformer to be who they are, to not be rigidly cast into a specific role or, or a specific uh, job or to have a limit put on where they can go and what they can do. And so you see this tragic backstory of how he, he literally has agonized over the things that he's had to do. The, the countless, you know, beings he's had to kill in the name of trying to liberate his people from his point of view. And it takes me back to the old saying that, you know, one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. And so that's the story we've been told is that Megatron was this terrorist. He's this evil, but from his perspective and the people that follow him, he has simply been trying to liberate his people to, for the betterment of their species. And, and they, they finally take that story in the comics at some, eventually to a, a high conclusion where eventually Megatron gets a redemption arc. He actually joins the Autobots and be begins to become like a defender. So I, I do I think that the that's where part Starscream of it. becomes like a politician too. Oh, oh that happened. I, yeah. I, I prefer my Starscream as a ghost, personally. The but... other thing... <laughs> the other part of the Transformers thing, which I... The the villain that I think is really neat, I've watched it, but Unicron. Yes. Where his entire... Yep. He just shows up and he's just going to eat everything. He does not care. He's living now. <laughs> That's the Cosmic Horror end, yeah. He's oh, yeah. really funny. He's just like, no, I have like little guys that... <laughs> Silver Surfer around, but like, no, I'm just going to destroy everything, and I don't care. Okay, a little bit Wait, of nerd trivia. like Galactus. What? Yes, that's basically what basically. he does. Yeah. In the Star Trek universe, there were two initial beings. They were brothers, Unicron. Sorry, and sorry, Star Trek, Star Trek universe. Star Star Transformers. Sorry. Yep. Oh, I'm very tired. <laughs> also, the streams now. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, never cross the streams. That's Ghostbusters. Um, but you had Unicron and Primus, and they fought and fought and fought and fought and fought. Eventually, they separated for whatever reasons, and Unicron became this all-consuming planet. Primus became Cybertron. So that's, that's the origin. Now, a little bit of nerd trivia. In the, in the Transformers, the movie, Unicron was voiced by this legendary actor, director, what have you, who this was his last credited role before he died. Orson Welles. Orson Welles. It was Orson Welles? Really? It was Orson Welles. Yep. Wow. Yep, yep it was. Also in that movie. Ah, the French. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but that's still funny. Uh, uh, Cyclone, Cyc Cyclonus in that movie was also voiced by another science fiction uh, alumnus, Leonard Nimoy. Damn. Oh yeah, he I just watched. I should watch that movie. It seems it's, it seems it's not a terrible movie. Oh no, that's no, not. A... <laughs> yeah, it's got some silly parts, you know. The like and, universal well, Transformers. thing. They got Weird yeah, Al we, in there. You know, oh yeah, they did. That's right. Weird yeah. Al played Rekgar. That's right. No, no, I he did. didn't play Rekgar. They they played one of his songs. No, that was a Devo song. Sorry. All right, I we're getting watched. off track. Sorry. Weird, stupid is a Weird Al song, dude. <laughs> oh yeah. I thought it was a D oh, oh, that was a Weird Al P 
parroting diva. That's what that was, I think. I don't know. Hello, welcome we're, to Old Man Corner, where we debate about the music <laughs> of the Transformers. We're way off topic on. at this point. I, one thing that I do think is fair is that, because I did watch a video on the movie, and the guy talks endlessly about how amazing the music is for Unicron. This just industrial base of like, of oh, machinery. Yeah, no, it's great. And, yeah. And right. it plays and, right you know, back into how evil he is, because he's just there to murder everything all i'm it's gonna say because is, primus is his brother and you know yeah they're a good band all i'm gonna say is you got the touch you got the power mm. the last time uh, i got the touch it was poison ivy yikes yeah it was when i fell out of a tree but we're not talking about that i will decline yep <laughs> the the jokes are too easy. Yeah. Okay. Um uh no, I'm I'm tired. It is it's a it's a late recording. I'm tired. It's a it's it's a okay. rare, like actual midweek recording. Yeah. Yeah, we don't yeah. usually so, record on Mondays, but here we are. I'll bring up another thing that I think makes a great villain. When your villain is essentially a mirror of your and a protagonist, when they're simply they they are them. So you want the Star Trek mirror universe for no, no, everyone? No. Then no, 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 no. That's that's <laughs> that's that's too on the nose. <laughs> oh, okay. What I'm talking about is where you have, let's say, you have a character. You know, all, all the things that make this this character the hero. And their main, the main villain, is all the same things, but just maybe turned. And and for me, the the perfect example is Moriarty. Moriarty is everything that Sherlock Holmes is. He is brilliant. He is observant. He has that you know that that steel trap mind where he sees things ten ten steps ahead, like life is a chess match. The only difference is he doesn't he doesn't have that same moral bent that Sherlock has. Not that Sherlock is perfect. Sherlock isn't. He's a very flawed person. But Moriarty is mm -hmm. selfish. And Sherlockness isn't necessarily driven by selfishness. So he's a perfect foil. Like, you know, how do you fight yourself? You know? And, and to me, that does make a great villain. Uh, to me, another great example of that is you've got the Doctor from Doctor Who and the Master who is essentially the doctor, but selfish, evil. You know, the doctor never kills. The master has killed countless trillions of people. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 to me, that builds a dynamic. Another kind of example of that, if you will, I know I'm, I'm rambling here, but Batman and the Joker. God damn it, I was just about to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can go into it. I'm just saying, but you've got this, you know, I am, I am order, I am justice, I will not kill versus I am random, I am chaos, I am absolute utter destruction and with, with no convictions against anything. Now feel free, Crispy, add in. Uh, I don't know, you kind of took the wind out of my sails. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to uh, blue ball you. I mean, you, you basically summed it up pretty well. It was like that, that the Joker is very much the antithesis of Batman because they both, both of them are the result of horrible 
trauma that they've both been through um and the difference is how they've handled it batman used the death of his parents to become a symbol of justice and fight against the crime that took them from him and the joker meanwhile took his horrible events that led to him being well i guess it really depends on which joker but i think for the most part they tend to settle on the whole origin of him falling into chemicals uh during a robbery that he was forced yeah. to do uh, go go read or watch the killing joke you've got the details of that joke origin story but it also shows that also shows a good uh, example of this um but he basically took that to mean that life is a joke and people um will always break under whatever their pressure is they they will turn against what they believe in strongest if they suffer enough uh, because that's basically what happened to him. And the, the killing joke is basically an exploration of that, where he tries to do that to Commissioner Gordon, and it's a whole thing of that. But at the end, um, despite everything that's happened in the comics, some really horrible shit happens to people that Batman cares about, uh, he still tries to help the Joker at that point, because his goal is to turn the Joker away from this uh, life that he's chosen, while the Joker's is, he wants Batman to kill him. He wants Batman to break his one rule, you know, to show that even someone that's so high and mighty with such a moral crusade can succumb to his, uh, his desire to kill the Joker because he he would like nothing more because of the suffering that he did. But he knows what that'll mean if he does. And they have this whole conversation at the end where Batman offers his help, and the Joker's like, "I'm sorry, but it's too late." You know, um, I'm giving it extremely broad strokes, but that very much is a good example that like that's probably the best example of dynamic and it's been parodied and changed all over for whatever the thing is and then you know you of course have like the joker on methods which is what i call jared leto's joker but in terms of like exploring that duality that that version of the joker and batman it really works with that what you're saying about a villain being a complete antithesis you know because the whole thing he keeps saying through that through that book is the only difference between you and I is one bad day. Everybody has one bad day, and it's how we yeah. chose to deal with it. Even the Joker says that. He said, I bet you had one bad day too, but you went a different way. And I'm going to prove to you how the way that you chose is not the way most people go. Yeah. And yeah, that's it's very, very well and succinctly put, Crisby. Yeah. Sometimes I say words that make sense. <laughs> so so I, I've been sitting here thinking, um, what makes a bad villain? And I don't mean a bad villain isn't evil. I mean a bad villain isn't terribly done. Um, one of the most annoying tropes that I have, that I always just have, um, is one of the, like, as a, like, a quick default, like, oh, this person's a jerk. Is they hurt an animal for no reason? And not even for, like, like, oh no, you guys are kicking puppies. It's just like, come on. This is, it's too easy now. It is yeah. so used. And I'm like, just something else, please. Anything. That's, I don't it's like really a, frustrating. I don't like villains that, and you see this a lot in like cartoons and, and that kind of stuff where they're villains and they're mean and they're evil and they're selfish and they want to win. But in but deep down they're actually cowards, and as soon oh, so as the anything, so as soon as anything comes back at them, they just like back down ah and run away, 
And it's like, oh, I'll get you next time. You know, that, that's that's so cliche. That's so boring. A good villain to me stops at nothing to achieve their goal. And it and, and that's what makes them the villain. They're willing to sacrifice anything, anyone, not just themselves, not just parts of themselves, anyone around them, anything that even means that may have one time meant something to them, even if they're ultimately going to burn down the world, if it achieves their goal of doing what it is they think they need to do, they will do it. Damn the cost. That makes a good villain. Not the one that, you know, not like the Cobra Commander and the G.I. Joe commercials who backs down and curse you, Joes. I'll get you next time. That's so boring. You, well, you let's be fair. We it. don't want to turn Cobra Commander into Joseph Mangala for kids. Like, I, I don't mind it for TV shows where you got to make another episode next week. Yeah. Because people don't like it when you kill, when you suddenly have to make a new villain every single week. It's actually really awful and tedious. So well, yeah. Unless you're He-Man. I still think that's lazy writing. There's, dis there's ways to do it better. They can uh, still they can still lose the battle while not giving up on the war. Well, that's that's just being like, "I'll get you next time, gadget." Next time. That's another thing I don't like in a in a villain. I think a, a bad villain is incompetent. They shouldn't be incompetent. It's just like it's just like the hero should be willing to. The hero should just be able to overcome them or circumstances around whatever this they accomplish work against them or maybe somebody within their plan or whatever has a crisis of faith and that causes the plan to go awry. You know, it shouldn't be through bumbling. But what if, what if the villain being incompetent is the point? Like with uh, Dr. Doofenshmirtz, like that's literally the whole reason he's a villain. I argue he's not a so villain. He's not a villain. He's, he's selfish. He's, tr he's doing all these things. I don't think he's actually a villain. Not in the classic sense of it. He's an antagonist. I don't think he's a villain. Yeah, you're probably right. I can see that. So, okay. Let's, let's do a little bit of a game. Um, yes. What is a setting that, is, that needs a good villain? And how, what would it be? Ooh, that is a good, good question. All right. I can't wow. say Battletech because there's loads of them. Katrina Steiner comes to mind. <laughs> Because fuck that um, bitch. Uh, the Capellans. Because, duh. That, that's, again, <laughs> that's a non-Battletech answer. That's low-hanging um, fruit. Yeah. Are you easy. talking a setting that currently doesn't have a good villain? Yeah, I can see that. Or also just, what's an interesting, like another, another interesting villain in a setting? Um, <sighs> it's not really a villain, but it's more of an anti-hero. I like the G-Man from Half-Life going back there. Because he's more of like a he's more of a neutral character in the setting. Because he he does what he does not necessarily to help the player, but to further his own agenda or the agenda of whoever he's working for. Okay, I've got but, an idea. Um, what about Dune? How would you add an interesting villain to the Dune setting? I would make someone who is Paul, but as in the. The 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 space ruler for everything, or no? I mean, like, like as in Paul Atreides, the rich kid. Like, okay, there are different. He is a whole person. There's a whole different timeline for him. Okay, I'll get, I I'm just speaking. I am just speaking about 
the mm-hmm. primary books that involve that the mo- that the main t- the movie that that we that we, everyone knows is based around okay. Paul Atreides, Muad'Dib. The, f- the first half of the the book, then right. Make me a Harkonnen who is Paul, but with their I- all the same things Paul does, all the same you know ability. He essentially he is the Kwisatz Haderach, but he's Harkonnen. Isn't that supposed to be Fade? But he's not. Fade was yeah, like... Yeah, he gets stabbed in the face. Yeah, Fade, Fade was... He was like... He was the the Muad'Dib we have at home. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, Ouch. but give me that. Give me someone who can match Paul in all aspects. So when it comes down to it, it's just a matter of philosophy. <laughs> I Depending on the... How far you look at it, that'd be just the third book. Okay. I'm, um, I'm just yeah. talking first. I haven't read okay. the third book. I okay. just read the first one. I, I have an idea of uh, related to actually one of the existing civilizations in Dune. Uh, and it's very fitting because I got another ad for that fucking smart toilet I was talking about. But um, The Ix the, toilet. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's actually, that, that's actually it. It's the Ixians. Um, I think that they could be an interesting villain for the setting. And, I, and I'll tell you why. Because before um all the books that uh frank herbert's son wrote you know the butlerian jihad was kept more anomalous than what it was well that's but but the reference was you know basically mankind turned against thinking machines and you know frank brian herbert took it more to be an uh you know your your old style machine uprising enslaving humanity and things, but what what if it was something different? And may, maybe this is just me, but I, I remember a quote that I heard from one of the Dune books, um, on God, I can't remember the YouTuber's channel. Um, oh, Quinn's Ideas, he talks a lot about Dune, but there was um an episode where he was talking about the Larian Jihad, and I I thought it the the quote and his take on it was more interesting where. The reason that people overthrew the thinking machines was not because they, they were enslaving humanity. The reason that that happened was because the thinking machines and the ma- manufacturing and control of these thinking machines was controlled by a very select few. And they were using their influence and people's dependence on the thinking machines in order to enslave humanity, in a sense. And to me, that is far more interesting of a topic than the idea of, oh, robots are bad, enslave humanity. Because we may think that now, but who's to say how artificial intelligence would play out with this in the future? I mean, you already are seeing massive tech companies that already have a huge influence in our lives experimenting with artificial intelligence and really playing with what they can do. And these companies already control so much of what we do directly or indirectly with with their technology and the things that they've made. And in Dune, you have the the Ixians who are essentially are a machine cult that, for all intents and purposes, I they agree with that. Well, uh, well, they're they're more of a planet. They're more of a civilization yeah. that's part of the Imperium. I, I just use machine cult because I yeah, was thinking they're... of the mechanicus. But, yeah, they are not they're um, cultish, but they're not like, and they're a good bit insane, but it's not the same like mixture. Yeah. But 
the thing the, the the point about them is that they are more that like they make machines and things for the Imperium, but it's very much speculated they are very much skirting the boundaries of the Butlerian Jihad and the tenets set down by that. Constantly. Uh, <laughs> just a bunch constantly. Of, yeah. yeah, exactly. And and that that to me really plays into the idea of, you know, they, they're already an influence in the Imperium with their machines. Who's to say that they couldn't end up being a sort of tech giant that uses their well, influence and power to over over throw the Imperium and be the I dominating mean, force? I so mean, Space okay. Google. No, not even that, because they're basically spy masters. When you really look at them like that. So Space Google. So, no, they're not spy masters because Google has never overthrown a village and just murdered everyone. We know your browser history you know about. They also okay. control the media, so you don't find out. But the uh, Ixians also, one of the things that they make a lot that I find really interesting <laughs> is they make um, machine eyes. And the, um, and it's the big thing of like, hey, these things are absolutely amazing and wonderful, and we don't use them. Yeah. And it's like, wait, why don't you got, if these are so great, why don't you use them? I don't know. Oh, no, no, they, no. They're, they're good for talking. you. Yeah, we make them yeah. for you guys, not for us. No, no, no. So I'm assuming that there is some sort of spying mechanism inside of there. Mm. And then you have the, I'm, think, I'm thinking Skin Dancer or Flesh Dancer. Well, that's that's mm. the uh, Talaxians, the, the Face Dancers. That's oh. Not oh, I keep mixing up Talaxians and Ixians. Blah. Yes, I just realized you were doing that, but... Yep, um, I apologize. Yeah, uh, to be honest, the, the Ixians... As far as I understand it, they're they're more heavily talked about in the later books, but at the same time, they're not really directly referenced a lot in yeah. the overall story. But God, the I, I, I just like that idea of them being a more controlling force through their technology. Behind, like, they're a technocracy, basically. Yeah. And, and that's the sort of reasons why the Butlerian Jihad happened, not because machines rebelled or something like that, you know? Because, I mean... Well, we say we have AI now, and granted, we're very much early on in our development of AI, but it's not really an actual intelligence. It's a very smart algorithm. I'm, I am imagining in like 300 years, just going up to a bunch of like actually intelligent machines and being like, you guys are just saying it. You don't really believe it. <laughs> like it, the Some of the logic doesn't always like by placing some logic early you start building a foundation of shit for later and it's yeah and that always gets to me where it's like and that would be a great villain thing just to be like no you guys aren't se uh, sentient so yeah. therefore it doesn't matter yeah they're just well that just gets into a whole other conversation of when ai becomes a sentient being that we recognize which that could be a whole other fucking podcast but well you um, know like you said jay it's all programming yeah. And there's the, there's the old adage in early days of programming, garbage in, garbage in, garbage out. If you give it bad programming, yep. it's going to follow bad programming, and you're going to get bad data. So again, if we if we programmed it flawed in the beginning, its data, its assumption, its its truth points are going to be wrong, and it's going to be acting. And as you said, it it's it's a machine. It doesn't have belief. It doesn't have. It doesn't. It can't have faith. It's just acting on the data that it has. Mm -hmm. 
So Maze, what uh, what are your thoughts on a good villain? Or a personal favorite villain, maybe? Can't say Darth Vader, because we've already talked about that. Um... It's okay to like Darth Vader. You can say Darth Vader. I, you can just say, you know, why Why is he your favorite villain? That's okay. More like Dagger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Now, now I have this, this image in my head about um, Darth Vader dabbing as they're firing the Death Star. That's the, oh, that's the new that... thing. You, we need to make Darth Vader into more hip with the kids. Oh, Let's no. No. He gets a haircut. <laughs> just... uh, I hate it. <laughs> Darth Vader, Lord of the cringe-ass Nene babies. <laughs> I, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see what that. I don't want to see <laughs> you Don't worry about it. Instead of the Imperial March, like I'm he walks worried. out. My brain just broke when you said that. <laughs> There's just like some like like bad dubstep behind him. <laughs> Oh God! Okay, okay. Darth Vader there are actually... Is that what we're fucking doing? Yeah, you know he 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 comes out like Fortnite Fortnite dancing. Uh, oh God. no! No, okay. I will give people credit where it's due. They've made good dubstep remixes of the Imperial March. That is a thing. They've made good mixes of that. I but so want to oh, see man. Dark. I, I I've changed my thought on what the, a good villain is. It's this podcast episode. That's a good villain. <laughs> Just terrible. So, yeah, uh, Nick Darth, Darth Vader is already in Fortnite, right? So uh, yeah, further. it is. <laughs> That's half the reason uh, why I don't play that game. Well, at, at the risk of a further aneurysm, what what uh, <laughs> what other villains do you like? <laughs> and are they in Fortnite? The most important. Oh, <laughs> well, can they really be culturally um, relevant if they aren't in Fortnite? Yes. Yes, they true. can. Yes, they can. Um. <laughs> oh. Are the Among Us of... beans in Fortnite yet? I don't know. <laughs> and honestly, I don't want to Fortnite. Know. Are you talking about the Sustronauts? Uh, uh, <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Yeah, the Sustronauts. I really hate that you called him that. Uh, fucking damn it. Thou shalt not make man in the image of Fortnite. That was the Butlerian Jihad. <laughs> they took, took down the Fortnite um, servers and everyone rebelled. No. Oh my god. Oh my god. The Matrix is real, but it's just Fortnite. Oh my word. They were all so doing say- that emote while sword fighting. <laughs> All right, Some... fine. There, I thought of a good one. Um, okay. Agent Smith from The Matrix. Ooh, that is yeah. a good villain. That is that an is excellent villain. Oh yep. yeah, because you, you again, yeah. you understand perfectly. Understand what his motivation is. You, yep. You could sympathize with it, and he is formidable. He's not bumbling. That's an excellent pull. Oh man. yeah. You can sympathize with his motive because he turns you into one of himself, and then you agree with his perspective. (laughs) Um, I will say that is a hard hand. Yeah, Mr. Um, Anderson, welcome back. You like what I've done with the place? (laughs) I, 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 Uh, you know, in this uh, regard, I did also think of another. I want to say villain, but I may be wrong on this. Um, 
and I cannot remember his name, so let me just say more words while I look up here. By the way, I did look it up. Agent Smith is not in Fortnite, so... Thank the yeah. Lord. <laughs> We've got that safe. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, okay. is, he, is he in Minecraft? I'm sure there are skins. There's Minecraft yeah. skins for everything. It's not official, we can say. That I am perfectly okay with. I am yeah. perfectly fine with that. Oh, I I was I was going to say the uh, I also like the and the replicant Roy, who I think is the the main like villain or antagonist of uh, Blade Runner. Rutger Hauer. Who, oh, he, 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 he's the one that gives the Tears in the Rain speech. Yes, again I another great pull because because he's presented as being evil, as being as being chaotic, but in the end. He explains his motivations, and you under and you you sympathize, you understand him. You realize yeah. he's he's not just he just bad. wants to live. He just wants to live. He just wants to matter. He wants to be recognized that the things that he's experienced, the things that he's seen, matter just as much as if he had been born normal and human. Excellent pool, crispy. And I I could literally talk about um, that entire thing for an hour because we're just um, oh I forgot the. Uh, post-colonial theory of um, oh man, we well, we could do a Blade a Runner cast. Yeah, yeah, we could totally do a Blade Runner cast. Yeah, I need to watch the new movie. Yeah, I do too. Watch the movie for uh, that we're one. having a Blade Runner night. We're having a Blade Runner night. We have to. Oh, oh. all right. Somebody let me know when we're doing it, and I'll... we're gonna watch Blade Runner watch party. First one or second one or both? Both. First one. Both. I I'm okay with um, either of them. I I'd say let's start with the first one, and we can do the second one. That's a good idea. I, I I just haven't seen the second one, so I'm down to watch that if we want to do that. I watched a bit of it and got bored because I'm a I got millennialism and then I got bored watching the second one. So I need to actually just be an adult and sit down and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's easier to do that and be held accountable if you're doing it as a group. Yep. Yep. I'm I'm the same way because it's like that that movie was made for me, right? But hey buddy. Um but I totally have not been able to make myself watch it. We can do it. We have the technology. All right. So let's put a pin <laughs> on that. Blade Runner Watch Party, TB, yeah. TBD, to be turning. All right. I've got, since we're getting close to the end here, I've got one last thought that I, I remember. I, I stuck a pin in the beginning where I said there was a concept of what I think makes a great villain or a great villain turn is when you think one character is the villain and in the end, it turns out it's not. And I have one particular story in mind, one particular seminal story, one that's been retold a hundred different ways and a hundred different perspectives. But it's a classic tale of a character that is presented as the main character of this of this story. And they are presented as something monstrous, something destructive, something evil that should be destroyed. But as the tale goes on, you begin to realize that this is not a monster. This is a tragic figure. This is someone that did not ask to be. This is someone that has, has been struggling to realize their purpose and their reason and who is curses their existence mm -hmm. and is simply striking back at that which has forced them into that. Robocop. No. No, but no, it, it, but you this. but you know what? In a in a way, 
it is the same story. And what I'm talking about is Frankenstein. I knew oh, it. I yeah. knew it. Whereas the, the yeah. monster, the creature is presented originally as the evil, as the bad. But the, as you go along, the, what you come to find out is this is a tragic figure. He was not meant to be. He is an abomination of nature that is cursed with essentially eternal life that did not ask to be here, that did not ask to exist, but was forced upon him. And now he is cursed to live this life where he is outcast, where he is monstrous. And the true monster of that tale is the doctor. It is the doctor. He is the monster. He is the abomination. And it is the creature's quest to take retribution upon him because of that very reason. So it is, it is the revelation in the end that is Dr. Frankenstein. He is the monster. He is the villain. And that to me is what makes that story a fantastic tale. My favorite yeah. interpretation of it is um, that the monster knows who God is and he hates him and he is going to kill him. However long oh, wow. it takes to the end of Earth. Talk That's about being pissed. My favorite example of the Dr. Frankenstein and the monster or the creature is the, my, my very favorite version of that is from a short lived, I think it maybe got three seasons, a show called Penny Dreadful. Oh, and I remember that show. Yeah. The, uh, the creature is very early on brought in, and he seems monstrous in the beginning. Uh, I be he's brought uh, a British actor, I think is, God, I'm probably getting this wrong, but I think his name is Rory Kinnear, or something along those lines. But does a brilliant, haunting performance as the creature, where you, you understand this is incredibly sensitive and incredibly intelligent being who hates his very existence and hates his creator, but also is conflicted in that he doesn't want to hate. He doesn't want to hurt. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to destroy, but he feels compelled by the rage, the anger at having this, this cursed existence forced upon him. It's brilliant performance. Absolutely brilliant. If you ever, if you ever find yourself in the chance, there's a lot of other, you know, uh, spooky supernatural stuff that goes on in that show, but that very performance and that whole storyline along that is is very good. That's pretty interesting. I think that is the perfect time to end. That is the perfect yeah. little wrapping up point. I know it's slightly yeah. early, but I think it's perfect. That's fine. Uh, I'm feeling pretty tired as it is anyway. Yeah. I am. Okay. So, any final thoughts? Don't be a villain, kids. Um, look, if you're going to be a villain have presentation that's what that, yep. that's what makes a good villain you got to have some style just don't be some stupid edge lord actually like dress up a little bit you know yep for me it's always make sure to fit the theme and if the villain is always going to be the focal point you need to make that villain fit fit that theme perfectly so if you want an edge lord um main villain you gotta make the theming around that stuff. I'm just breaking someone down. And treat your, your henchmen and villain and uh, thugs well. Yeah, they deserve dental. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
They got their teeth punched out enough. They might as well. Yeah. You know, just take uh, care of the little guys. You know, just because you're trying to take over the world doesn't mean you can't care for your employees. Yeah. That's that. That we're gonna, uh, we're getting into the uh, the becoming a ruler thing of no man rules alone. Every evil warlord needs a bunch of minions to help go do things because it's not like he's going to go out there and fix the roads and fight at the same time. It's funny you oh, said yeah. minions because I was just thinking of Gru and minions. Oh, oh! I hey. hate minions. <laughs> Those so are much. cute movies. Come on, man! Your dad is hey. showing. Uh, that's all right. I'll wear it. <laughs> all right. Um, sounds good. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah. Uh. I know they're all decent people, but man, they're kind of weird. <laughs>